Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thank you for tuning in to Growth Island again. A question that I often ask myself is, how do you become world-class? Like, not just good at something, but how do you become one of the best in the world? And then one of my big hobbies is surfing, kite surfing. Like, kite surfing is one of the things that get me the, the happiest and uh, kind of makes me joyful in jumping around. So I am extremely grateful that I managed to get Paula Novotna in today. She's not just good at kite surfing. She is one of the three best kite surfers in the world. So let me just repeat that again. One of the three best in the world. So like, I don't know anyone else that are like one of the three best in the world at anything, whether it be chess or like running down a hill or something else. But Paula is actually one of the best kite surfers in the world. So Paula, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here with you. So Paula, I met you the first time in Cabrete many years ago, where you also competed for the world, like one of the stops in the world championship as well, and, and you got on the podium. But but how did you get to uh, be one of the best kite surfers in the world? Like, wh- how did you grow up with a kite? Your parents just gave you windsurfing in the start, and then, or, or how did that happen? Yeah, you mentioned windsurfing. I never windsurfed before, and uh, why I I got into kite surfing because my family was kite surfing my parents taught me how to kite surf so when i was like 10 they were kiting already but they didn't want to teach me because i was too little and too light and they were too scared of me and when i got i think i was 14 years old so it's exactly 14 years ago so i've been kiting half of my life (laughs) they taught me it was first my dad who was teaching me and then my mom finished because it took also some time because they always put me in light wind and choppy waters and like I was struggling to be honest but when I got upwind I was like I was so stoked and I didn't want to leave the water and uh, that's how I started kiting. That's fantastic. Where did and, you um, grow up? Did you grow out out to like a spot where you go kiting often or was it like on vacations or how was that? So I come from the Czech Republic, which has no seaside. It's in the middle of Europe. And uh, my I was very lucky and I'm very grateful for that, that my parents were able to take me out from school on holidays. So we would go, we would spend summer holidays in Greece. And then like uh, winter holidays, I was snowboarding still, but like autumn holidays, one or two weeks. We were going to France and we, or we were going to Italy or like close by uh, places in Europe where we could kite. And that was when I was a teenager. And I was also doing a lot of other sports at home, like gymnastics. I was doing athletics, swimming. And when I was like 16, 17, I was like also wanting to kite at the weekend. So we were going for like short trip to Italy in the lakes or to Poland or to German seaside. And all I wanted to do is kite. So I was like giving away all the other hobbies and all I wanted to do is just kite. And then I went to my first competition and I was actually very disappointed because I thought I'm going to win and I didn't. (laughs) I was like one of the last. (laughs) 
because competition was completely different than like what I thought that it is. And then I graduated my high school and I started studying online university, but I started traveling around the world by my own without my parents. And I went to Cape Town to train for like three months. And then after that, I started my world tour when I was 19, my first world tour. And that's, and that's when I actually got few podiums. And that's when I got sponsored by a few sponsors internationally and became independent financially from my family. So I could actually pay my bills and travel the world on my own. That's fantastic. That must have been such a journey. Yeah. So when I follow you also on Instagram and so yeah. on, it seems like you're just traveling around the world, competing uh, in different competitions, kiting, mm-hmm. shooting videos and so on. It's a little bit more about like, how does how does your day look like? Yeah, every day. It, it depends on the location I'm in, actually. Every day looks different. And also like I've been, I've been kiteboarding for like 14 years as I said so I've been competing for like nine years and also started wing foiling recently like a few months ago and I actually I fell in love with the sport I I got the same feeling when I got the same feeling like when I started kiting like I was like wow I want to do this all the time and I got so excited because everything is new and I'm learning so fast and and now I'm wing foiling a lot actually and uh, I'm going to my I was already in one competition in in Brazil <laughs> and uh, I actually didn't know how to wing foil yet. I just go back and forth and I was I was there just to actually like be there to inspire women to try wing foiling because it was in the beginning of the sport. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to France to Locat for my for my another competitions with actually already training for so i'm super excited and uh, i actually became like a, a professional kite a professional wing foiler now so professional water woman which is so exciting and how my day, normal day looks like sorry i i went out a little bit from the question so i like to start my day with like a workout or a run because i am very active or I, I also can start my day with like a yoga session or like physio session when I'm not feeling very well. So for me, it's very important to keep the body healthy and keep the body not injured. So I think it's worth that's just very saying important. And then for for the ones that yeah. doesn't know that much about kite surfing, it's kind of like you have a a really big kite up in the air and then you have a ball and you, the kind of kite surfing you do is not just like sailing back and forth it's like doing big crazy jumps tricks and so on so that gotta give a lot of injury to the body as well like once in a while when you crash so so that makes a lot of sense that like working on the body but how many hours do you kite yeah it's okay i depends like when i was younger i used to kite like five hours a day i would never stop <laughs> But now I think I can kite maybe like, it depends on the day. Sometimes I kite one hour a day and it's fine. Sometimes I kite three hours when we are shooting or like one hour in the morning, then like two hours in the afternoon. It depends. And now with wing foiling as well, I'm doing kiting half of the day, wing foiling the other half of the day or another day. So it's very, those two sports that I do now, they are both very 
physically exhausting and also the the things i do in the air are not so easy so i need to be very fit and i need to be strong in order to not get injured easily and not to lose the whole year just staying in bed injured so that's why like half of my training consists of being in the gym and working with physiotherapists and making sure i actually rest enough and sleep at least eight hours a day because it's very important for me do you take naps as well during the day to get that recovery or is it just like you go to bed and then you get up in the morning and then work out a few hours in the morning and then kite surfing later <laughs> not few hours like no. uh, just maybe like one hour but i i don't nap during the day i can't do that i don't know how to do that no no what about breakfast <laughs> do you eat like breakfast every day or do you skip breakfast just to get started or and is there anything specific that you like make sure that you eat or is it like whatever is at that hotel that you at at the point so i'm not a morning I'm a morning person, but I cannot eat the first thing in the morning. The only thing I can do in the morning is to have a coffee or or a tea and either work or go run or do workout. And then I can have breakfast. Sometimes I actually eat after 12 and like try to eat till like eight, nine. But when I'm having very productive days and doing a lot of sports, I I'm normally eating like around 10 my breakfast and then I eat lunch like at two, three, dinner around eight. Nice. And is there anything specific that you eat or is it just kind of like whatever is there? Do you have like a dietitian or someone else that's like, I know you also look into it yourself, but like that make sure that you have the right fuel for your body. So I study online nutrition, sports nutrition. So I know exactly what to eat. And I've been also like, I've been athlete for so many years. So I know how it works and what you need to recover good. And to if you want to have enough energy the next day, what to eat. So I know what to eat and I am very healthy and everybody around me know that. So I make sure to have enough protein And I make sure to have enough carbs when I need them. And I'm just like eating healthy. Mm. And also like what helps me a lot is, as well is, is I always know, I've always been interested in that. And now with studying that, actually, it brings me even more knowledge. So that's super exciting. That makes a lot of sense. Have you ever done any blood work, like blood tests to know like what kind of uh, vitamins and minerals oil to like supplement or so, or you kind of feel it fine on um, the body? I did some blood tests to just find out if I'm allergic to something because yeah. I had some, I just, I'm allergic to, I'm not allergic, but I'm intolerant to lactose and gluten. So I cannot eat that so much, but uh, I haven't, haven't really been testing that no. what no Fair. so I maybe I should <laughs> so some people do it but not necessary but I did it um, I do it like every six months or so so I take a lot of supplements as well apart from eating a nutritious diet and I was having a phase where I didn't eat that much meat 
and it showed in my blood test that I wasn't getting enough B12. So then I simply just started supplementing B12, mm-hmm. made it super simple. Wanted to move to more of like a, a vegetarian diet. It's a process for me to to get there. I still get a lot of chicken and fish and so on. So um, that's simply just a way to to help with that. What do you do? Like, so you're living yeah, off... Yeah, for me. Yeah? No, I just said it like I would really love to eat like plant-based and vegan. But as traveling is, I am, it's not very easy to like always in different kind of cultures and locations to find the right nutrition you want to eat. So when I can get it, I want it. But when I cannot get it, I'm I'm eating fish, I'm eating chicken, I'm eating eggs. But it's not. It's always balanced. And it is really hard when you're traveling, because you can't. You don't yeah. always have access to what you want to eat. I'm quite curious. Like, do you have any routines or anything you do when you have to go to a tournament? I know some athletes they visualize before they go, or they meditate, or they make sure they have a massage in the morning, or do you have any kind of routines or, or habits or whatever that you do before uh, the big uh, the big tournaments? Yeah, for sure. I have I have routines and to be honest, I haven't I only had one competition or two competitions last year yeah. because of corona and you kind of forget everything. <laughs> and I'm gonna have some competition this year, but I really need to be well rested for the competition. And I normally have a mental coach that I work a few days before the competitions. We call, we talk, trip through, and I visualize all my tricks that I want to do. And uh, I actually do that also before my heat. And I, if I make a mistake, I always go back to where we were with my mental coach, not to be stressed. Because when I was younger, I was having... I was being stressed too much from crashing or also from my competitors. I was just not really focusing on my performance, but I was just focusing on my wins that I really wanted to win. And I was focusing more on my competitors next to me than on myself. So I learned a lot over the few years that I've been competing and, uh, I've got routines before the competitions that make me uh, really focused and to be right there when I where I need to be. Fantastic. So how does that work? You do you do the visualizations. How long do you actually visualize? Is it like two minutes or do you spend like a good half an hour, an hour of like visualizing all the stuff? Like if you walk me through like I know it's been a while, but like a tournament a year and a half ago, how would you how would your morning look like? And then throughout to the competition so it, it 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 doesn't take very long because when i actually am in my heat i it doesn't take very long because i need to do seven tricks in my heat which four counts so i actually need to visualize the trick itself how to do it what to do to actually land it and where to have the kite position how fast to go if if there is chop what to do if if i get a gas what to do so it takes maybe like 10 15 minutes to go through my heat but if sometimes i also work with my mental coach on visually visualization (laughs) sorry yeah if i make a mistake you know if i crash i go back and i actually i'm trying to forget 
or trying to think on my performance, not on my crash that I just crashed. So we work on that always before my competition. Nice. What are other exercises you do with the the mental coach? That sounds really interesting. Well, she's very talented. Her name is Katka Salandova, and uh, she's been helping me for the past maybe two, three years. And uh, she's also been helping me not just with competitions, but also when I broke up with my boyfriend or when I when I had not really easy easy life or when I had a problem or something and uh, I really see that it helps me so much and I really like the sessions actually because I feel much better after and sometimes I do it myself when I when I feel I need it that sounds I think everyone could need a coach (laughs) what do you call a mental trainer very important because life is hitting and I think at least that's where I see what top performers and you being one of the very best in the world, not just a top performer, but like world class is the people that get to that is the one that go through hard stuff and that manage to rise up again, whether it's an injury, whether it's a personal event or something else, because life will hit at some point. So it's, it's very much being that resilient, being able to get up again. Yeah, for sure. Injuries are also one of the things that is very hard to, go through and to also overcome in your head because yeah that's been part of my life as well I've been injured a few times and it's been hard but I've always always it always made me stronger actually I never regret of I never regret of getting injured because I learned so much how do you get up after injury and also like I can imagine the way you get injured it's not like someone just like you go lift a bit of weight you do like powerful stuff where you actually also get hurt when you get an injury like how do you how do you recover from that and like get up and be at the top of your game again if you're out for several months or something else so i had two acl injuries on my knees on both knees i broke my crucial ligament which is in when at when it happens to athletes normally it's like sometimes athletes come back sometimes they don't come back and it depends on how actually you work on your whole rehabilitation and all the process of healing. And I, it happened to me when I was 18. So I did the surgery and I was in the high school graduating. So I, it was very easy for me because I could actually finish my school and focus on training. And then I got back and I was very young. So that was quite easy. But then two Three years after that, I broke the same thing in the second knee, which when I actually found out, I thought my world is going to stop because I was 21. I was placed like, I think I was third in the world at that time as well. And I was like, I get goosebumps when I talk about it because I, uh, I couldn't, I had the whole half or one year plan, like all the plans. I was so excited because I was like finally reaching my goal of becoming a professional kiter for traveling the world. And then this thing happens and I can see six months of at least six months of recovery in front of me. I got home. I went to surgery in one week. Actually, who helped me the most was my dad because he went through a lot of challenges himself as, he's a, as he is an entrepreneur. 
and I was just a little kid not knowing what to do and thinking my my life is over but he helped me to go through mentally and uh, I actually got way stronger I worked so hard with physiotherapists but also like myself in the gym and I became a stronger athlete I came back next summer to compete and I was like surprised how strong I am compared to my competitors that have been fighting their entire time it was just like I was like wow I'm so stoked and happy and then I actually realized how important it is to be not just kiting just also be very physically fit in the gym because we as females are normally not as strong as men so we to be good to be to not get injured we need to work on that too yeah that makes a lot of sense i think it, with most sports as well there's all the training around it that's not necessarily like playing football or surfing or kite surfing that make sure that you can you can do the sports as good as possible what else do you think makes the difference between you and some of the other people that didn't get as far as you so you're speaking to one thing is actually doing the physical training and not just kiting anything else do you think kind of got you to where you are today i just really like what i do i i really enjoy kiting and i really enjoy traveling around the world and i enjoy meeting new people and like uh getting opportunities from meeting new people and finding opportunities on the way and what i like also is to share what i do and inspire others in in having like having a life that actually can have and you just need to work for it and if you work in, work hard enough you can do what you want it's just how you make it yourself and what i've experienced in my life is that sometimes it's not easy and sometimes is not comfortable and it's it's you need to go out of your comfort zone very often and it's it's challenging but when you actually do it it's so worth it because it's just some it's just so nice to live this life and be able to do what you like and what you always wanted to do i fully agree i think the whole getting out of your comfort zone is so essential that we also get used to like different pressure Where if we never get out of our comfort zone, we don't get that pushback. So when something hard happens, it's a much bigger shock as well. So what's what's one of the last yeah. times that you had to get out of your comfort zone? Was it a big trick where you were like, oh shit, I don't know what's going to happen. Whether I can land this or not. Like, I gotta be honest, I'm a bit scared about doing uh, bigger tricks when it comes to kiting. Some people would call me chicken. Uh, but it, it really hurts when you crash and uh, and you have full speed. Yeah, well, like learning tricks is actually a perfect example of getting out of your comfort zone because like it's very nice to just go for a session and do what you what you can do, but I really enjoy having adrenaline in my veins and like going into big waves. Kiting is something insane, like coming out and smiling for a week after because it was so sick or actually throwing that trick that I've always wanted to try and then landing it is also a big reward or or like 
doing something crazy that people normally don't do but it's just so cool that I want to do and it brings me joy and I just I'm an adrenaline junkie so <laughs> I actually like to have fear it's a challenge that I enjoy but for most people it's just a bit difficult to get to do that but if you do that the reward is much better so what would you tell someone like me that's a bit afraid of doing the trying the new trick because I know I might get injured for a week or two weeks? The key is just it's like everything else in in business or in like what you do or what other people do. You just need to look on how to do it. If I'm learning how to edit videos, I'll search on YouTube how to edit a video, a 360 video. And uh, when I go out, I just ask my friends how to do it, what not to do to actually like get like crash really bad. And uh, in kiting, uh, I am a rider for Duathlon and I don't want to promote anything here. But what is really cool is that we have an app. You can just watch videos and learn on it. It's also online. It's how to do any tricks. And it just helps a lot to to also visualize those tricks before you go to the session or ask people that are better to actually help you mm. but not to you cannot have fear you just have to go for it yeah i actually did follow some of the Dutone videos on youtube to see for like simpler things so the app does that have more material than the youtube channel in regards to tricks and so on uh, i think the Dutone academy i think all the videos that are in the app are also on YouTube. Oh. I'm not really sure now, but I think they are. But the Duathlon, like, I mean, the app is very easy because you can just look at it on the beach and yeah, and go to the water. I do it as well with because they have more disciplines, like foiling, like strapless. And my discipline is freestyle, so I don't need to watch that. But the other discipline I also watch, and it helps me a lot, actually, to to watch it and then go to the water and then come back watch it again go again and do it <laughs> i think that's beautiful that's uh what you just explained there i also work at, at this camp called camp two north which is personal development camp for 14 to 19 year olds and one of the things that they learn there is the process of how do you learn anything which is what you just described is uh, finding a mentor or someone else that you can learn from it's uh mm. trying like small steps that you actually tested out as you just said as well getting out there and then it's doing it again and again so start small test it out get help from someone else and then keep going at it that's how you learn more things that sounds like that's the same process yeah you're doing. for sure but i'll definitely have to check out yeah, uh, more videos from the Dutone, um so i can uh, start making a bit more tricks with the kiting and freestyle for the ones that doesn't know that what is freestyle kiting so freestyle kiting and kite in kiteboarding is i have There's two disciplines. There is a freestyle wake style, which has we have like a board with boots, and it's very similar to wakeboarding as well. So we do like very powered tricks, like maybe like two, three meters maximum above the water, and uh, the kite is quite low, and we pass the bar, which which are the lines connected to the kite behind our 
back normally mm -hmm. and that's called handle pass and then we do rotations around that so there is like a lot of action going on in the air and sometimes it's very difficult to even follow it for anyone for somebody who doesn't do it and then another discipline is big air which you just go high and you just do like board off you take off your board you flip it around or you do like triple back rolls or or you do a massive kite loop which is like you take your kite up and you just go down with the kite and it pulls you front and it's more extreme I think for, for me, my point is more extreme because it, there is a higher risk, but it's just uh, super cool as well because there's even more adrenaline. So tell me again for like, so I love kitesurfing and I think anyone that tried to kitesurf or surf knows what that stoke is or like that feeling of kitesurfing. But why is it in your words that kitesurfing is so amazing? I think I like to kite because I like the wind and I like the sun, and I like the ocean, and I like to do sports, and just the whole thing together makes makes it awesome. And that actually kitesurfing is is not like is not like a sport like that I'm going to do because I want to do a sport. It's just something I do every day, and it's kind of my lifestyle. And for many people that are kitesurfing is more, it turns to be their lifestyle as well. So wherever they go, they take their kites and you meet new people around and they share the same passion. And that's what I like the most about it, I think. I really like the community as well. People are very helpful and, and very sweet. And then it's, for me, is that like the feeling when I jump It's just like out of that world. That's like a little bit of adrenaline. You're like, woo, flying up. And you're like, especially when it's still at my yeah. level, like not a fully sure if I know you have a lot more control of it. Um, or like the feeling of a wave, getting on a wave, is just like, it's undescribable. Like once you just like go down that wave and that feeling in your entire body is just absolutely magical. Like it's, it's really hard to put words on. Yeah. It's something you really have to try. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing. And I know that I, I don't, I'm not, I don't normally teach, but when I teach someone, it's, it's my close friend. And when I see their excitement of like going first few meters or doing the first jump, it's just priceless. It is. It really is. So Paula, you live around the world. Do you have like a home base or are you just constantly in a suitcase going to a new paradise or how does that look being a professional kite surfer? My home is always at, in Czech Republic. I love Czech Republic and I'm proud where I come from. But now I'm not there that often. Like I sometimes spend maybe two, four months a year. I like to be home because I rest from all the sports all the water sports and I balance my body I do physiotherapy I do my trainings like to get stronger and but now at this time during corona I am not home because we have lockdowns and I've just been escaping being home for since March last year <laughs> but I come I go home I change my bags and I leave again but I'm not home so often now. No, you're in Egypt now. And I met you two months ago in Fort Aventura in Spain. 
and I'm in Cabaret now. And you might be coming here in a month or two time, right? In a month, yeah. Yeah, nice. So what's the best place you've been of all these paradise places? Oof, I have so many favorite spots that I actually don't know which is my favorite because now in my head it's just like, oh my God, I have to say this and this and this and this. I, I really like Caribbean because it's warm and because it's like very quiet and it's so peaceful and I really like it when it's just peaceful you can enjoy yourself and be with your close ones i like the union island in the grenadines where i spent my quarantine for months last year and i fell in love with that place i also like mauritius which is perfect place for kiteboarding and also for wing foiling which i haven't done there because there's beautiful waves and the island is just beautiful i also like going to Greece in summer because it's perfect place for my discipline, which I do kiteboarding freestyle because it's constant constant wind and very flat water. Where in I, Greece do you go? I also Sekuntos I go or... to uh, it's I normally go to uh, Drepano. Uh, it's in the mainland. It's like two hours from Athens, but when I was uh, when I was younger, we were always going to Rhodes. That's an island uh, down uh, south of Greece. With great parties. And, uh, and what other spots is like, Cape Town is amazing and Brazil is amazing. And there's so many places in the world that I still want to visit. And uh, I know that the world is small, but it's actually still not discovered and i'm for myself as a kiteboarder so a lot of places to visit nice what's the next dream location that you haven't seen that you would like to see who i tahiti want to go to tahiti nice i look forward to seeing some videos when you make it there <laughs> i hope i can go one day I always want to be everywhere, so so it's hard uh, choice to choose. Actually, I can choose where I where I want to be if I don't have competition. So I always choose the right spot in the past. So I hope it's gonna continue like that. It definitely seems like a good life. What's an advice, Paula? You would have if you were to give yourself an advice five years ago. So with what you know today, and you were meeting Paula five years younger. What would you tell yourself then? A life, a yeah, life I think, advice. I think I've been like, I've been always, as I'm an athlete, a professional athlete, I've always been very focused on being, having the right nutrition, getting enough rest, training enough. And what I would maybe say is just to have a little bit more structure in my life and like having my life slightly more organized than when I had it before I've I've improved quite a lot since when I was younger and also because of people around me that they helped me a lot to get my life organized more and I think that's something that I would definitely do that makes sense I am definitely also a lot more organized now than I am some years ago. 
and makes it at least for me easier to reach my dreams and my goals and that I actually spend the time or my focus and time on the things that makes me the most happy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Paula, if people like, she seems pretty cool. I would love to like follow her or learn more about her. Where can people find out more about you? Well, I share a lot on social media. My social media is quite wide. It I there's a lot of people from water sports and from action sports following me, and I'm actually growing it and trying to grow it as much as I can on Instagram, Facebook a little bit as well. Now TikTok, mm -hmm. uh, still trying to make more videos on youtube currently as well so if you just put my name in google i think you'll find a lot <laughs> cool i'll make sure to find it and put it in the show notes as well do you do any you said you don't <laughs> do training with people do you do any kind of coaching or anything else I, or is it more just like following you online that that's the possibility that people can get closer i do i do clinics i do also like trips just with me to for people to come join me on a trip but it hasn't been that active for the past year because of what because of covid and i will definitely keep doing that in the future and there's already a few companies trying to organize something with me as well so let's see how this whole um, situation goes on and let's hope i can do more trips with people that want to come with me for a trip That would be amazing. And that's going to be on your social media as well, that people will see if something comes up. For sure. For sure, you can find it there. Got it. <laughs> if you had to give three final advice, Paula, about how to live a happy, healthy, and meaningful life, what what would that be? Or one final advice? Ooh, I have had dreams, and I still have big dreams in front of me. I always try to reach them step by step, short-term goals, long-term goals. And reaching something is something that I like. So I just always try to work hard for something and, and deserve it. And then I'm happy. And not doing anything or not being happy with yourself, it's not good. So if I'm in that state of mind, I've always tried to learn something new or do something new that's going to make me feel happy. And if I'm not feeling happy at that moment, I I think why it is and I'm trying to get out of it and always, always stay positive because we only live once. So why to be sad? There's no reason. Got it. Thank you. I think it's very important like as you say learn new things and try to see it from another perspective and respect to be humans that sometimes we're not feeling as good and then figure out what's the reason and then we actually try and change from there as you were saying as well i think that's that's so powerful and so important to remember and that that happens yeah. whether like i'm in cabaret now which is paradise or whether you're a professional kite surfer just traveling around there's still some challenging times and and that's just being human and then working on how can you yeah what can you do about that Yeah, like learning new things has always made me happy. And meeting people that I've always wanted to meet or meeting people along the way and bringing other opportunities into my life 
that makes me happy or spending time with people I love the most. I don't know. It's always a balance of everything. It is. Thank you so much, Paula. Paula, thank you so much for coming on uh, on the show and sharing uh, the stoke of uh, of kite surfing and surfing and some of the tips of how to become one of the best surfers in the world. <laughs> thank you again for inviting me. It was really nice. And I hope to see you soon. And uh, thanks everyone for listening to us. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.